This episode of Watching the Throne is brought to you by you, the listener. We've chosen to keep the show ad-free and only ask for something small in return. Please head to iTunes and let us know what you think of the show. Those reviews really help with our exposure. And if you'd like to make a small monetary contribution, head to patreon.com slash Podcast, where you can donate increments of as small as $1 per month. Thank you so much and stay wavy. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. So keep your love. I don't get enough of it. Jesus just rose again. Listen to the kids. Welcome to Watching the Throne, a lyrical analysis of Kanye West. My name is Chris Lambert, and today we are doing a storier with Miranda Fenneberger. Miranda, say hi to everybody. Introduce yourself. What's up, everybody? I am very happy to be here. I love the show. Um, I am a writer. I'm based out in New York, and I write about culture, music. I started out as a music writer, um, kind of branched out into a little bit of everything, but I do love me some Kanye West. So I'm very excited to be on the show today. Nice. That makes it much easier to talk about Kanye on a show about Kanye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I can imagine. Well, uh, when did you first uh, become interested in Mr. West? Um, the first Kanye song I ever heard was Stronger. Um, and I was in middle school. And I remember hearing the song and recognizing that I recognized the Daft Punk sample and I, I was like, this is not that song. Like, what is this weird <laughs> remix? And so I like looked it up and, you know, it's this guy, Kanye West, who I called Kane for a good, <laughs> a good like year, at least I called him Kane West. And I was like, man, this is really good. Um, and after hearing Stronger, I, I kind of became like, you know, more of a low key fan. Like, I guess whenever there was a new Kanye song, I, like I had heard of it or I knew it, but I was not deep into the Kanye at that point. Um, when I got really into Kanye was high school after my beautiful dark twisted fantasy came out. That is when the deep dive started for me. I think just um, a friend of mine showed me that album and I was like, Oh my God, this is like nothing I've ever heard before. And I was obsessed and you know, that's that <laughs> after that point, it was just Kanye all the time. What uh, had you been into hip hop as a as a genre leading up to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and getting that, or was it um, something that no. was kind of your introduction <laughs> to that sound? It was definitely a big introduction point for me. I I listened to like you know party hip hop like Lil Wayne and whatever was on you know at at the middle school dance. Um, <laughs> I would say. <laughs> But I was definitely not a hip hop fan at that point. That was definitely my sort of segue into more, more, I guess, like artistic hip hop, um, more conceptual stuff and less, you know, top 40 kind of almost poppy hip hop with all the auto tune. And I don't know. Yeah, that album really kind of showed me that there was more to hip hop than you know, pussy money weed. I don't know if I could say that. <laughs> no, you can, you can say that. Yeah, the song, okay, good, cool. the song that's in my head is like just you compare like black and yellow, black and yellow, black and yeah. yellow to anything like right, anything by Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> yep, absolutely. That was kind of when I realized that it didn't have to be all about that. And of course, Kanye does talk about that stuff, and it's amazing when he does. But he does add another level, I think. Right. Like there's, there's layers to drunken hot girls has a lot of the the stuff that you'd expect from like a standard braggadocio, like, yes, <laughs> um, club rap song, but there's mm -hmm. layers to <laughs> drunken hot girls to where you're like, Oh, this is maybe a little more like nuanced than what it seems on like first listen. Yep, definitely. Yeah. I think there's always like with Kanye, a bit of a conflict that you can sense. Like, what he's saying is not necessarily what he means, which I think is really cool. Um, and he kind of, he can kind of be that like arrogant, you know, I'm the best. I'm so cool. I'm famous. I'm God. But then 
there's a little bit of something underneath that that tells you that that's not really who he is, which I always find really endearing about Kanye. He's always kind of like second guessing himself. Um, Even when he says, I'm a God, you know, there's a little something underneath that's kind of keeping him humble, maybe. Yeah, just something, some kind of uh, doubt that's still there in the expression. Like, yeah, and I am a God, it it descends into just manic screaming. (laughs) Like, that's not, that's not what you associate with such a declaration. Yeah, definitely. He's always kind of, I mean, I think you kind of get that from his journey, you know, he started out from nothing, you know, and really made himself who he is. And I think that's where that, that little bit of not humanity, but I guess self doubt comes in where he says like, I'm on top of the world. I have all this stuff, but is there something that I'm missing? You know, but what if I'm not the best, that kind of thing. And that's always what, what I love about him because I think with other rappers that I'd heard up to that point, there was no sort of vulnerability in that way. Yeah. Um, and that's something that I really love about Kanye. Right. Like this is the guy that follow that makes graduation mm-hmm. and that has so many, like, can't tell me nothing like the glory, mm-hmm. everything I am yep. that are these very empowering songs about reaching the top in that upper yep. echelon and then follows that up with 808s. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is like the most emo of Kanye's albums, I think. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, I mean, yeah, you guys have talked about this on the show before, obviously, but it's definitely like a breakup album, which is fun to see from Kanye because he's, you really sense that he's struggling to balance confidence with, you know, his like, not depression necessarily, but his like loss of love, which is kind of funny to watch him like grapple between those two things. Right. The result being amazing, which is such like a song that people find like positive in a way. Mm -hmm. But when you Mm -hmm. listen to how he's singing it, like that's not somebody that's actually convinced that they're amazing. That's somebody that's very just bored almost. Yep. Well, and even like paranoid, like you get that, that sense that he doesn't like that he's not in control, um, which is a a big contrast to, to graduation where, where he's like, I'm in control. Look at me, look at my career. You know, I'm the best. And then 808s, he's like, I'm in control, but also I'm spiraling a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody help. <laughs> yeah, he's, it's like a little bit of a cry for help, for sure. And of course, he's got Kid Cudi there, like, egging him on, who's also a little, you know. <laughs> yeah. so the two of them together are a combo that I always love, but especially on that album, I think. Got it. <laughs> if we get that uh, Kanye Cudi, like, Watch the Throne style dual album, mm-hmm. I'm just going to cry. Right. It's going to be so sad, but, but like, it's just, it'll be, it'll be bops that are full of really sad lyrics. <laughs> so you'll be at the club and you'll be like, wait a second. Like, this is actually a really sad song. <laughs> I just got this but, vision of like them playing a Kanye Cuddy song in the club and everybody just stops dancing and does a group hug. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. I think the two of them together are, are a recipe for sadness but also incredible songs yeah when they just do like i don't know i feel like when they get happy too like mm-hmm. yes uh, it's like manic on top of the world yeah father stretch my hands part one just oh that. yeah yep mm. incredible gorgeous even yeah they're just like i think anybody who kanye touches turns to gold that's like my theory <laughs> Like anybody who he ever works with or insults or talks to becomes like he unleashes like some incredible creative potential in them. And maybe they had it before, but they certainly express it more after they work with Kanye or after Kanye ruins their life. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the Midas touch. He really does. I think it's yeah. uh, it just I, you saying that makes me think of uh, Bonavere's 
album before working yes. on Yeezus versus Bon Iver's album after working on Yeezus. Literally a perfect example. I would say also even Taylor Swift. Like after after Kanye unleashed his I mean he already insulted her, you know, back at the at the biggest, you know, award show horror story of the of all history. <laughs> but I think like especially after this recent, you know, stuff with him and Kim and Taylor. I mean, Taylor released this album that is completely unlike anything she's ever released before. So, I mean, she's got, she and Bon Iver both, like, have these crazy manic, upbeat albums that are, like, completely different from everything else they've ever made, which, and they're both great. So, thank you, Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) Not to give him all the credit, but I think he deserves a little credit for that. Yeah, yeah, he he pushes, he prods. Yes, definitely. Um, I think he, he makes people sort of unafraid to release whatever they want. Yeah, I think in reading and hearing interviews with people that have worked with Kanye, I think that's constantly the biggest takeaway is that mm-hmm. seeing his work ethic is something that changes the approach that they have because he's putting in 14 hours, 16 hour, sometimes 18 hour days, though we saw that that ended up with him needing to cut back somewhat. Right. Um <laughs> It's hard yeah, he to had a bit of a breakdown there. Yeah, it's hard to have that health balance when you're doing that. But mm-hmm. when you are in project mode, that kind of dedication, that kind of um, focus on making something great, I think is hard to forget. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it leaves a lasting impact. Yes, for sure. Very much so. It reminds me of uh, players talking about playing with uh like lebron james or kobe bryant's Mm -hmm. or even michael jordan where they say like seeing how those guys prepare for each game and how they still practice every day and all the things that they do to be the best it's Mm -hmm. like oh that's what it takes yeah yeah definitely and it makes you better even if even if there's like some insecurity in about not being as good or something like that i mean they definitely i feel like you come out with a totally different mentality, which definitely shows for a lot of the artists that Kanye works with, I think. I actually now want somebody to do like a deep dive analysis of Rick Ross lyrics pre, mm-hmm. uh, uh, whatchamacallit, Devil in a New Dress versus Rick mm-hmm. Ross lyrics following Devil in a New Dress. <laughs> that would be great. I would love to see that. <laughs> we need to get some scientific data behind this, I think. <laughs> This think, idea that Kanye kind of unleashes the beast in anyone. I think you're right. This is like a this is this is a thesis paper. This is a thesis. Anyone who's listening who's an academic, you can take this idea and run with it. Just send us the link. Yeah. Cite this podcast episode. Yes. Yes. And send us a link to all your data. I would love to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh you hear my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. It it blows your mind what songs uh jumped out to you at the time all of them i think (laughs) you know i think dark fantasy is like the greatest intro song in my personal opinion of all time because it is like scary and loud and just like an absolute roller coaster and i think the second that i heard that song i was completely hooked like i was sold i was ready to stand kanye from (laughs) from dark fantasy alone um (laughs) because that album that's just the perfect opening for that album it's just so full of intensity which i think that entire album is just so intense um but you know i mean power obviously monster which is in my top five for sure, because that's just a crazy song. Um, I just love that this album is so crazy. It's like, it's super manic and weird. And I think that's what really attracted me to it, because it's it's like artsy on another level. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but it's... I was listening to it last night, actually, because I was like, all right, if I'm going to say this is my favorite Kanye album, I need to like you know, get back into this mood and refresh this. And I was listening to it and I was just like, this is the greatest album of all time. Like I was (laughs) completely reassured, like I was listening to it and I'd forgotten like how, 
how perfectly it, it flows and it almost feels like one giant song because it just like works together so well. Yeah. I don't know. But I do love I do love Hell of a Life. I think Hell of a Life is another drunken hot girl situation. <laughs> um where he's kind of like I don't know, flaunting. He's peacocking a little bit, like showing off his lifestyle. And this whole album is like the Amber Rose album. Am I right? Correct me. Yeah, there's uh there's supposed to be a Love lot that. of response to Amber, though the song Lost in the World was a poem that Kanye apparently wrote for Kim. Oh. Yeah. So wow. that that changes things a little bit. Interesting. I came on this podcast mostly to just like steal all of your knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I mean, well, you really do get that sort of like sexy, intense feeling from this album in contrast to Yeezus, which is more full on drunk on power kind of thing. This mm. one is very passionate, I feel. It's a lot about creature comforts, maybe, in comparison. I think that's even reflected in the in the music. Like there's something mm-hmm. a little bit luxurious about my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. It's mm-hmm. not there in Jesus. Yeah, definitely. Jesus is a little dry in comparison, I would say. The thing I love about Kanye, too, is that even if you're not paying attention to the words that he's saying, you, you can understand what the songs are, are about or like what the feeling is that he's trying to convey just by listening to the production. And I think that's something also that My Beautiful Dark T- Twisted Fantasy does really well is it's so production heavy and the production is like flawless it's perfect and there's like so many layers and he really does he's really the king i think of production especially on this album this is like his magnum opus production wise i think yeah he does so much when it comes to uh, i love maximalist Mm -hmm. stuff uh it's always like thousand page novels have always fascinated me Mm-hmm. Um, it, the first book I read, wrote, I had a 10,000 word sentence, which oh is just absurd. But, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so the, the maximalism that's on both my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and the life of Pablo is really mm-hmm. fascinating to me, especially after more than following the minimalist works of 808s and, uh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely goes full force. And even in the production, like, not only are there a lot of samples, and there's a lot of layers, but it's a lot of loud stuff, and abrasive sounds, which I think really complement the sort of mania of the album. Um, It's a lot of screeching and banging and like, just stuff that it's almost like painful to listen to at parts, kind of like when we were talking about I am a god, like, just that like screaming, you know, <laughs> I, I think he, I think he loves to push a listener's limits and to see like, you know, what if I just do like three minutes of like yelling <laughs> and they'll, they'll love it. And they'll say that I'm the greatest. So <laughs> I think a little bit of is like a little bit of it is him just kind of, you know, messing around, but it really complements like the themes of, of the music. And I've always been impressed by that. Yeah. He's somebody that really works with form and function, right? Mm-hmm. Where a lot of artists will just have a great beat, and that beat may not necessarily uh, have anything to do with the lyrics of the song. Um, mm-hmm. It's just really catchy and fun to listen to or emotional in a way, but may not embody the nuance of things where Kanye <laughs> with his production tends to, especially as the albums go along. Um, I think with 808s on through the life of Pablo, it's the production's next level in terms of adding layers that support the lyrics, but also transcend the lyrics. Yeah. I think Kanye also knows how to, how to harness the power of other artists really well and to use them to make his music better. And I think this album, like all of the collaborations and, and features on this album are are like perfectly selected. And he he uses people who really enhance his music. And he's always done that. But I think on this album, he has 
so many great musical minds working on these songs and it really shows. And I think he, I think maybe that collaborative mindset sort of started with this album maybe because he, he really does that on Yeezus and the life of Pablo and even in his, you know, fashion, like, I mean, I was looking at all the photos from the promotion for his new, you know, Yeezy season. And he's really like, he really knows how to, how to steal like an artist, I guess, not to be blase, <laughs> but he like, you know, he just like stole Kim's aesthetic and like used it for marketing. And it's incredible. You know, he knows how to, how to take what other people are doing well and apply that to his own stuff, which I think is a really cool quality because people always say Kanye is full of himself, but I think the amount that he works with other artists and the amount that he collaborates really proves otherwise. Yeah. He's, he's not just me, 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 me. He's mm-hmm. like, you're very talented. I want to work with you. You're very talented. I want to work with you. Yeah. He's like, don't put that on your album. Put that on my album. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but he's smart that way. He's a genius for sure. Yeah, and I think that comes off and get read any interview with people that have worked with him, and they always talk about the first thing that jumps out to them is just how intelligent he is, how curious mm-hmm. he is. Um, if he's not well informed, he's asking questions to become well informed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he. I don't know. I mean, that shows by in the in the way that he sort of positioned himself as like the greatest, you know, rapper of our time, arguably. <laughs> um, I think you can only get to that sort of point by by working with other people. Like you really can't do that alone. You really need to collaborate with people and to not piss people off. And I think people say Kanye's this, Kanye's that, but I mean, he wouldn't be where he is today if he had no you know, people skills and no intelligence. (laughs) So (laughs) I think just his success is proof that he's not some like arrogant misogynist, you know, I don't think. Yeah. I, it, especially, uh, I probably, I've always thought there was a little bit of performance behind Kanye's public Mm -hmm. persona. Um, especially when reading interviews with people, that talk about Kanye, like I expected this from Kanye, but instead I just, uh, he was really like humble and listening and just had a a great conversation. Not this like crazed personality that, um, or like a loud bombastic personality that you sometimes see on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely think a little bit of that is performative, like for sure, because because that's what he wants. I mean, I think, again, that goes back to his own sort of contradiction within himself of wanting to be great, wanting to be known and famous and the best and Picasso and, you know, Michelangelo, whatever. And also being like, sort of feeling like he's still a kid from Chicago, you know, who made it. And I think that contradiction really comes out in his personality in his public personality. Um like you're saying, and it, I definitely think it's performative a little bit because you can't come from a background like that and experience and go through the things that he's gone through and just become like, you know, a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I think also his relationship with Kim is, is super fascinating, first of all, but also sort of proof that he does, he, he must have, you know, like fatherly characteristics and, you know, some sort of like normal home life and as normal as Connie's home life could possibly be. But yeah, I don't know. Well, that's a uh, Kim was on my mind as you brought her up because that's somebody else that's public persona is mm-hmm. a little bit, even if she is very much herself in a lot of the show, there's still a performative aspect mm-hmm. to who she is on the show versus who she is in the day to day. Definitely. Um, Is she as dramatic? Is she like crying over the lost ring (laughs) with the famous, (laughs) like ugly cry face? Um, And I think that that's something really interesting about their relationship and them coming together is that 
and I think Wolves kind of confirms that a little bit, is that mm-hmm. he understood that she wasn't necessarily who she had to be in the public eye. And that mm-hmm. she understood that he wasn't that person either. So that they yeah. could continue to be who they were in the public, but also be truly themselves in private. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they're a perfect match in every way. Like, they're both at the peak of their industries. And so there's no, I don't think there's any competition between them or any sort of, you know, one person is more successful than the other person or any issues in that area because they're both so, you know, at the top of their game. And I feel like in that sense, that that probably allows them to be so free, you know, in a personal relationship because they're not competing against each other. They're not working on in the same industry. And they're, but at the same time, they're both sort of a, the product of like a really aggressive media. And they're both always on the front cover of everything, the subject of every bit of gossip. So I feel like they, they can really connect, you know, and they probably have a lot of shared experience in that sense, which probably allows their relationship to be like amazing you know, behind closed doors because they're both, they can both go home and be like, okay, enough with all the bullshit and, you know, hang out with their adorable children with amazing <laughs> names. <laughs> yeah. I, Oh, so what do you think of, uh, what do you think of the Chicago name? I, I mean, I expected something a little more wild, but I support it. Whatever they do is great for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think it's cool. It's a cool homage to his, to his roots. I think. Also, what a cool name. Like, if you met someone and they were like, hey, I'm Chicago, I'd be like, whoa, you're cool. (laughs) (laughs) Automatically. Same with North Saint, you know, all like very cool names. (laughs) God, could you imagine? I mean, first, imagine being somebody that's like in college and has no idea who the Wests are or the Kardashians are, Mm -hmm. but you're like 15 years from now, you're in college. And you meet a you meet a friend, and they're like, "Oh, my name's North. Like, this is my brother Saints, and this is my sister Chicago." And you're like, "What is your family? You're amazing." Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, "You must be famous. There's no way." <laughs> no, that'd be so cool. I mean, I think I'm really interested to see their kids down the line. You know, because it's interesting to watch celebrity kids kind of grow up and see what what goes on with them because it can go two very different directions (laughs) but I think like with you know like Willow and Jaden Smith like that for me they're like kind of I'm kind of looking at them to see the future of the west the Kardashian west (laughs) because they're both super cool artsy and musical and fashionable that's kind of what I'm imagining down the line yeah, I, I would love to see like North Saint in Chicago in like Batman outfits, like oh Jaden Smith wears. Mm-hmm. That, yes, that'd be wonderful. Yes, I want to hear their crazy tweets, and I want to listen to their like debut albums. <laughs> I'm very excited. <laughs> you just kind of blew my mind because I never thought before about like North getting a Twitter account. <laughs> Yeah, and, like tweeting things. It will happen one day. Like, here's Maybe. my dad being stupid. <laughs> right. <laughs> I know. I always love seeing all the photos of Kanye with his kids. And, and just because it's such a weird contrast to his whole persona, like seeing him like holding a baby is just like amazing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just al- so funny. He always looks so amazed by it. Like, uh-huh. I'm happy. Kid. Yeah. Yeah. He's like grinning like I love it I love dad Kanye <laughs> well so you were you started writing um about things online in 2009 uh my beautiful dark twisted fantasy comes out in 2010 yes. you are becoming a Kanye fan or are a Kanye fan when uh did you start writing anything about Kanye did you start exploring that in your work at all well yeah i mean listening to that album definitely sparked my interest in writing about music 
And sort of up until a couple of years ago, music was like the main thing that I loved to write about. Um, and I wrote for this Atlanta-based music blog called The Sound Goes Around. No longer <laughs> exists, but it was great. Um, and I was friends with the guy who ran that um, website. And he kind of really gave me the freedom to just write about whatever music I was interested in. Um, and so I was writing about a lot of up and coming artists and new releases on SoundCloud. And like, <laughs> it was kind of crazy because now I, I definitely keep up, but I don't keep up in that way where I'm checking the new releases like every single morning to see what's going on. Um, but I think Kanye definitely sort of influenced me in that sense to start talking about music and sharing music that I like. Um, and I also around that time started getting into like odd future and Tyler the creator. And I think my beautiful dark twisted fantasy was definitely the stepping stone for me into that. Um, just that idea that a rapper could be like an artist and have this whole aesthetic package, you know, I think that's what Kanye really, really showed me. And maybe he was, you know, one of the first to do that because he really solidified that for me that that rappers were artists um and not just like i guess my mentality was that they were not very serious you know before then like top uh, 40 machines rather yeah. than yeah yeah and of course i didn't know anything about the history of rap and hip hop before that point so i was very ignorant but i i really thought you know it was just like lollipop and <laughs> laffy taffy and like, <laughs> like i was i really didn't think there was like i thought these people were just cranking out you know machine made hits and so once i realized that there's a lot of artistry that can go into it and we see that all the time now like with kendrick and with frank ocean and stuff there's there's art happening um and there's been art happening in hip-hop for years i just didn't know about it <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I think Kanye really influenced my music taste and that definitely became a driver for the for the stuff I was writing about. And I think uh I think what you're pointing out is kind of important in the influence that Kanye has had because as you're saying, like hip hop had has a long history of important work, uh important social critique and social commentary. Um, mm -hmm. aesthetic depth art but by the time that Kanye is coming into it it's been overrun with uh, hit generation mm -hmm. with just as superficial as the form could possibly get mm -hmm. um, and that's all that you heard <laughs> yes definitely so for Kanye to have the success that he had kind of in that realm doing his own thing with college dropout and late registration, but to mm -hmm. move into doing the artistic kind of hip hop and connecting with mm -hmm. the heart of hip hop in that way and dropping an album like my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and having it be such a commercial and critical success, I do mm -hmm. think opened up the door for us to return back to that kind of prominence of the artistic originations of hip-hop i completely agree and i think maybe who will survive in america was sort of my awakening to the the political abilities of rap um and that's obviously the closer on on my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and you know i heard that song and i was like whoa and i still <laughs> listen to that song you know whenever Whatever there's like political nonsense happening in the world, which is pretty much a hundred percent of the time now. But yeah, like yesterday, you know, I, today, yeah, yesterday, today, tomorrow. Like, <laughs> but you know that song, I was like, whoa! Like this is this is not just about entertainment, um, and that really stuck with me. And I was lucky to have some friends at the time who were very into hip hop and who introduced me to stuff um, like Most Def and Talib Kweli and notorious big and stuff. And I think from starting at, you know, commercial Lil Wayne <laughs> and then back into, you know, moving towards Kanye. And then from that foundation, going back into the, the classics, 
um, and the groundbreaking works that came before that, I think that was a really interesting perspective because I was coming from very modern and going back to the original stuff. And I, and that's sort of when I started appreciating Kanye's sampling and Kanye's um, sort of like choice to bring back a lot of those classics and sort of remind people of where hip hop started. That's definitely something that I really admire about him too. Like he always brings back the things that made hip hop possible and the things that really changed the game. And he uses them not only, you know, to sound incredible and to make a song really good, but also to sort of echo back to all of those people who sort of, who he's sort of standing on their shoulders. It's amazing that you could have, uh, just looking at life of Pablo, right. Where you have one song famous that has the Nina Simone sample. Right. Um, and it's just crazy, like a crazy use of sample that harkens back to this, like R and B, like not hip hop, but like it's something that I think inspired hip hop artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on that same album have the introduction of designer. So it's like right. an appreciation of history while also presenting new artists that are going to like be really popular in the modern scape. Yeah. He really transcends time in that sense. Kind of like he's always working in the past and in the present and in the future, you know, bringing people who are going to become successful which is something that I don't know if there's any artist that I can name that's doing that besides him. Uh... I would struggle. (laughs) Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a quiz. I mean, he's the one. Like, he's, he's really aligning multiple levels of the genre. And he brings in singers, too. Like, singers, rappers, producers. Like, he really is... And, and from all different eras and of different ages and of different backgrounds. And he's able to bring all of that together and make a cohesive song like famous that is incredible that everybody loves. So, and I, I mean, I think that's like a huge feat because it's so hard to make music that everybody loves. <laughs> and I, I don't think that's what he cares about even, but he does it. Uh, it's, yeah, it's kind of, as you are saying it, it sounds like something that shouldn't be that hard to do, right? Like, oh, harken back to the old days, but have something like fresh. But when you try to pinpoint other people that are doing that, mm-hmm. it really does become hard of like, who is doing that? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of great producers right now and a lot of great rappers, but they're not working on the levels that Kanye is working on, I think. And not to like, you know, deify him, but he he <laughs> deserves recognition, you know, for for that ability because it's really like unparalleled. <laughs> right. And you know, maybe 10 years from now it's something that 20 other people are doing. But mm-hmm. yeah. at this time it's this has got me thinking about uh you know, we have we always have mixed responses to Jay-Z's music on this show. Uh-huh. Um much to the chagrin of some listeners and I'm sorry to <laughs> mm-hmm. all of you. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> but uh, Blueprint 3, which is going to also annoy people, is my favorite Jay-Z album. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that's most heavily produced by Kanye. And uh-huh. the thing legacy-wise that always stands out to me about that album is that this is an album that's made in like 2008, 2009. Mm-hmm. And that features working with Jay-Z, who, you know, is at that point the greatest figure in hip-hop that's still working. Mm-hmm. Um, you have J. Cole, Drake, and Kid Cudi all on songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is before any of the three of them had an album, had a single. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. That's it's insane. wild. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, in some ways it makes sense because they're in this position where they can kind of choose who they want, you know, and they can say, hey, get me the best people who are not famous yet, (laughs) you know, 
but at the same time, like they, there's a clear appreciation for the artistry of those people, of anyone that they're featuring, because the way that they're integrated into the songs is, you know, implies that there's a knowledge of, of their art and their music and, and the ability to sort of combine it in and know how they can work best. Um, which I think, you know, shows that they really do sort of care about these like young artists. And that's something that I admire both about Jay-Z and Kanye is that they, they do have a lot of, I guess they do prioritize bringing other people into the game, which I really admire because it's really easy for someone to be super famous and be like, all right, I'm going to stay famous. So I don't want to like, <laughs> I don't want to encourage anybody else's work, but yeah, both of them, they're always collaborating and they're always featuring people who are sort of under the radar of maybe their regular fan base. So I always think that's cool. It is. It is. Yeah. It's uh, very hard. Like, that's so nice. Like bringing <laughs> these young guys under their wing, you know? <laughs> and, and then of course, like, you know, if you're on a Jay-Z song, if you're on a Kanye song, like that's your career, like you're ready to go now. You know, you can make an album. People are listening to you. You have an audience. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it definitely becomes like a, a, a launching pad. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so you, uh, when did you transition from just liking Kanye's music to being interested in Kanye as a person? You know, I want to say that I was always interested in Kanye as a person because, I mean, even back when I first heard Stronger, you know, that was like back the Shutter Shades era of Kanye. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I always was, was looking at him like he's he's got a look, you know, he has like there's an aesthetic happening here and he is not he doesn't just have a bunch of tattoos and you know, smoke weed, like he's doing some other stuff. So I think from that point, I was interested in him, but especially after my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, and then going back from there and revisiting his older albums, I think I've always, I'm, I'm a big celebrity person anyway. So I'm always <laughs> interested because it's so, it's such an interesting thing, like to have a, a total public persona and have people form an opinion about a public persona, but then, that is not always necessarily actually anything like who you are. Like that fascinates me. The idea that, that you can be two people and you can have people fall in love with like a false version of yourself. So I've always been into celebrities for that reason, but especially Kanye because his personality is so over the top and he's so outspoken and he doesn't follow the rules, (laughs) which, (laughs) which I think from a, like a PR perspective is crazy. Like he does whatever he wants, you know, and maybe not so much now he's kind of, he's kind of like, you know, secluded himself a little bit these days. He deleted his Twitter. So <laughs> we don't get access to his inner monologue hundred percent of the time anymore. But, um, I don't know. I think especially after the Taylor Swift moment, especially after, you know, but she doesn't care about black people. I was like, all right, this is, this is a person who is not afraid of of public, you know, like shaming. (laughs) He is not afraid of what people are going to say about him because he would never say any of the things that he says if he was afraid of that. So that really made me like him a lot. Just the fact that he doesn't care. He, he simultaneously like doesn't care what people think, but also really cares. (laughs) Yeah. which is evident in his lyrics, you know, but I don't know. I just think he's fascinating. And I love following Kim also. And the fact that they're like kind of a package deal makes it all better as well. <laughs> yeah. So you were probably interested in Kim Kardashian prior to her and Kanye ever being a thing. Um, yes, barely. Okay. Like I, yeah, I had I, I knew who she was and I had seen the show back when she was married to the other guy. Uh, I don't remember his name. Chris, Chris Humphreys. Yeah. 
Yes. Yes. The guy who shares a name with her mother. Yep. Um, (laughs) yeah, I was like barely, I was like on the fringes. And then once she started dating Kanye, I was like, Oh, absolutely. I need to, I need to see what's going on here. Um, because you know, two people like, I mean, Kanye, me being super interested in Kanye. And then also I was never a Kardashian hater, um, at all. And I was always like, yeah, I'll watch the show if it's on. But the fact that they united, I was like, oh, yes, let me grab a snack. I'm going to lay back (laughs) and see what's going to happen here. Because that's just like an unstoppable combination. And I think everyone sort of knew it at the time. Maybe some people had some doubts, but I was like, this this combo is going to go far together. They're too similar. Yeah. yeah. And they dominated. Yes. And then they got married. Oh, that changed it all. I was so <laughs> I was so into that Kanye Kim wedding. My favorite part of that whole thing was that they asked if they could get married at Versailles, <laughs> and Versailles <laughs> said, "Fuck no." <laughs> and I was like, "I." And at that point, I was like, "Why not?" Like, this is Kanye and Kim we're talking about, <laughs> and Versailles was like, "Who do you think you are? Like, you cannot get married at Versailles." So. I always think that's funny. Like, I think that humbled them both a little bit, but I, yeah, I think they're great together. I love watching them. Yeah. It's been, it's been awesome to see them develop as a couple to see the changes, I think in each of them as Mm -hmm. they've kind of matured as a couple and their relationships developed. I mean, it's not like we get to see the most intimate details of things, but I think over time, going from 2012 to now, you can definitely see, uh, at least trace a little bit and conjecture a little bit about how they've helped each other develop as like business people, as just people. It's mm-hmm. uh, It's been fun to watch. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, watching them have kids and have more responsibility in that sense, you know, and Kim's pregnancy issues and that and the robbery and like, you know, having a lot of like personal trauma, I think probably has united them a lot as well. And obviously we don't get to see a lot of Kanye's side of this relationship, but it seems that they're happy. Like from, from what I see on social media, it seems like they're happy together, which, you know, could be all a lie. <laughs> but I like to think that it's not. <laughs> I like to think that it's not too. Um, you had talked about the fascination of that dual nature of celebrity of the celebrity as, uh, the outward persona and then the personal persona. Mm -hmm. What, uh, did you have a strong reaction then to the famous video? Yes. (laughs) I thought it was amazing. I, and I'm also a big Taylor Swift fan. So I'm kind of like at the crossroads of all of this. Because I'm a big Kim fan, I'm a big Kanye fan, and I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. So their relationship is making it really hard for me personally. <laughs> but I I think what Kanye did on that song was, again, you know, him, him knowing the power that other artists have and using that to boost himself up, you know. Um, and I think it was really smart. I think it was a smart criticism of of the other people that he was featuring and i do love a good beef (laughs) (laughs) between celebrities between artists and i think taylor's taylor's comeback from that was also really strong um and i don't necessarily believe that taylor is like a, a victim you know as she often likes to make others think she is i think she's a little more uh, scheming, <laughs> like <laughs> similarly to Kanye, but yeah, I loved that. I loved that video and I thought it was, I thought it was great. And then of course, Taylor comes back with, look what you made me do, which, you know, a little bit of, I'm the victim, like you made me this evil person, but also kind of cool to see Kanye sort of unleash that power that she had, um, and never really shared with anyone. I don't know. It's cool. I like to follow them all. And I think that their feud 
has made all of them stronger. <laughs> like <laughs> they all kind of came back, you know, and had a more badass attitude after that. So I hope they they can all just be friends one day, <laughs> and, like listen to the the songs of all of them together. But that's probably not going to happen. <laughs> Ideally, that would be that'd be wonderful. I was so happy when they were friends for a little while. Yeah. And the all day performance that Taylor was at and just seeing like Taylor be amazed with Kanye's music and like that positive relationship felt to me like, okay, like Kanye suffered a lot of slings and arrows Mm -hmm. uh, for the VMA and having this reparation with Taylor and it, it was kind of like, okay, he's, he's, allowed back into the music industry without that burden he's allowed yep. back into pop culture without that burden mm-hmm. and then uh things just fell apart again right <laughs> yeah i think i think they're very similar i think taylor and kanye are very similar because they have they both have a huge fan base that is very attached to their public persona and <laughs> I think that you can kind of sense with both of them, there's a struggle between that public persona and that, and the way that the media sort of represents them and who they actually are behind closed doors. So I think in that sense, they're almost like foils. Like (laughs) they're, they're like two ends of the same issue. I don't know, but I always thought they had more in common than, than their differences. But but both of them are, I mean, they're two people who are very prone to conflict. Like <laughs> It's like Kanye who loves to be aggressive and to like start shit. And then Taylor who loves to be the one who's getting shit on because she loves to say like, you hurt me and this is what I have to say about it. So in that sense, like it's a match made in heaven in terms of fighting (laughs) like like maybe they'll never stop fighting (laughs) for that reason but and uh they just made great art after that so i'm okay with it it reminds me of uh the movie unbreakable where it's Mm -hmm. like you have bruce willis and samuel jackson with like bruce willis being unbreakable and samuel jackson being mr glass Mm -hmm. and it's like they do have a lot in common but just uh too too much just the little differences will always keep them in that antagonistic position. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's like the laws of nature are the only thing that are keeping them (laughs) from like coming together. (laughs) There's just like some fundamental issue that will never go away. What is it? The movie heat where it's like, we're not so different. You and I, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty, I would love to have seen that that like interaction between them when he was telling her about famous and she okayed it, you know, I mean, I would love to have heard the full conversation about that because I would love to hear them collaborating, like to hear their like musical collaborative process because I'm sure they're like, you know, on another level. <laughs> I don't know. Cause we obviously heard like what they wanted us to hear from that conversation, right. but We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> I know. I know. One day. Kanye, um, if you're listening, just shoot him an email <laughs> and let us know. <laughs> like full transcript. Yes. We, we won't share it. We just personally need to know. <laughs> right. I keep secrets. Yeah. I keep good. secrets. We won't tell. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't told anybody what my friend Pat told me in third grade. Well, proof. There you have it. Yep. Mr. West. Um, yeah it talking about the taylor kanye dynamic if you were to have their story be the plot line for any kind of like tv show drama Mm -hmm. i would find it infinitely fascinating um especially the fact that in the first go around he's the one that's demonized in the second right. go around, and then his response is "My beautiful dark twisted fantasy," mm-hmm. and then in the second go around, she's the one that's demonized, and her response is to completely change her aesthetic 
Mm -hmm. and to in some ways like mature her image yeah um and just i'm imagining that playing out in like a show and the character returning with like that persona and just Mm -hmm. being like whoa that's so cool yeah i mean i know they had like they have the show feud now they had the betty and joan we need taylor and kanye that's the next (laughs) we need feud taylor and kanye let's make this a full-on series because i will watch it absolutely yeah i mean they're they follow a very similar path one right after the other in terms of how they're reacting and how they're perceived when they're fighting with each other and i would love to see what's going on behind closed doors there with that because it's so public you know, and that has got to have a huge effect for their, for them, you know, whatever they're fighting about, obviously, you know, between the two of them, it's a drama, but once it becomes public, like it's, it takes on a whole new life, I think. And it's, it's kind of crazy. It affects career, right? It's not just like this, this stress between two people. It's like the perception of Kanye following like the VMAs was, some, he was supposed to go on tour with Lady Gaga and mm-hmm. Lady Gaga canceled um, yeah. or refused to let him be a part of it. He got replaced. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Taylor, who had an image that up to that point was starting to get shakier, but mm-hmm. was pretty like ironclad positive, mm-hmm. now suddenly suffered her first like, loss of face. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, up to that point, she was love story. You belong with me. Like she was dating Jake Gyllenhaal, John Mayer and Harry Styles, you know, like she was, she was like the all American good girl who was just getting hurt by, you know, evil celebrity men. (laughs) And then, and then she comes out and people are like, well, she's not that innocent actually. And that really shook up her entire career i think because there were a lot of people i mean obviously her diehard fans are going to support her regardless but there were a lot of people who are like pretty middle ground with taylor swift like who are like not ready to admit that they liked her but they were not publicly against her and i think that really sealed the deal for the for the whole middle ground um of her fan base yes i agree like anti-taylor now which is interesting because it's interesting. Also now we have such a culture of like canceling people. (laughs) So, you know, anyone makes any sort of mistake. Obviously there's a lot of valid reasons to cancel someone, but anyone makes any sort of misstep and they're done. You know, people are done. There's think pieces like they're done. (laughs) No one wants to hear it. So it's kind of interesting to see because in a way, like her downfall in that sense is happening at a time when people really are ready to like destroy reputations. Yeah. <laughs> no pun intended, but so that's interesting. It's interesting to see her deal with this during a time when a lot of people are really ready to hate celebrities. This is a time that's like the biggest minefield for celebrities because before yeah. you could hear something maybe, but like mm-hmm. a celebrity could be in Wyoming and do something shitty, but there was no social media. So right. it's like the five people that saw it are just like, well, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I don't have any means of telling everybody. And now you can just take a video, you can tweet it. Like, right. It's, yeah, it's crazy. It's got to be scary, especially, I mean, people who deserve to be, you know, canceled. I'm glad they're getting their justice, but like, it's got to be scary to have to, in addition to, celebrities already needing to be worried about what they're saying and how they're presenting themselves. Now it's on another level like of saving face. And I think it adds another layer of sort of like fakeness to public personas. So it's kind of interesting. I don't know. It's wild. And especially between Taylor and Kanye, I mean like their fans are, are sort of like pitted against each other. I think. I mean, I, as a fan of both, I don't really know, but I think like most Kanye fans don't like her and most Taylor Swift fans don't like him. And they both are so famous that it really like ostracizes a lot of their potential audience, I'm sure. So it's kind of interesting that they choose. I mean, I guess their demographics are probably a little different, but 
it's kind of they would be so much stronger together they would be know. i'm i'm they waiting would. for the day they do like a joint tour mm-hmm. yeah or they just like drop a song like together that would be interesting what would a taylor swift kanye song sound like oh god i have no idea <laughs> It really doesn't seem like they would work together. Like, but I'm sure Kanye would make it work. If it's gonna work, he he'd be the one that could make it work. Kanye would make it work. Absolutely. Kanye would make it work. Well, <laughs> what a uh, top five Kanye tracks. Okay, um, Monster, for sure. Uh, the new workout plan. <laughs> Black skinhead, hold my liquor, and I am a god. Those are my top Ooh. five. I'm Ooh. not saying they're the the five best. Right, they're just your... But they're my top five, yes. What, uh, do you remember the first time you heard New Workout Plan? Oh my god. I think I was in a car. I think I was like in my friend's car. who was, And she was like a Kanye fan. She was like, she, I think she must have just put it on. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, that's, oh, what a great song. That is just like Kanye at his most carefree and fun. Yeah. And that song is so silly. But also, it's a bop. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I love that song. I, For me, like, when someone tells me they don't like Kanye and they're, like, not interested, I usually play them that song because I feel like that shows such a different side of who he is. Um, and I just think it's so funny. I mean, that's like Kanye the comedian, you know, at work. <laughs> yeah. Especially with all those, all the testimonials at the end, like it's just, it's incredible. It just made me think if I was doing like four songs that I could try to convince somebody to be a Kanye fan, Mm -hmm. it would be new workout plan. Hey mama, run away and either hold my liquor or, um, blood on the leaves. Oh yeah. Maybe like gold digger if they had never heard it (laughs) yeah what's it like being alive and never hearing gold digger i don't know i don't know but when i was when i was getting super into kanye i of course was like trying to show my mom because (laughs) you know whenever you find something like really good and you live with your parents it's like you know or you live with your family members or whatever like it's I was like, okay, I got to show my mom. And so I showed her like, you know, some crazy wild song. And she was like, this is just, I think I showed her monster because I was so obsessed with that song. And she was like, she was like, what the fuck is this? She was like, turn that off. And because that song is not like, you know, that song is not the song that you want your child to show you. Like, so I showed her a new workout plan and she was like, she was so into it. Like she loved it. So I don't know. I mean, I think it's a great gateway song, but it's also so unlike anything else he has. So you can't really like find anything to follow it up, but <laughs> it's just so good. It's just like such a wild song. Yeah, that's that's unlike most things in music. Like mm-hmm. who else has a who has a comparable <laughs> new workout plan song? Yeah, I have no idea. I'm trying to think of one, but like there's just there's not a lot of comedy in music anymore. Mm-mm. Man, it just makes me want that to be like an aesthetic, like uh-huh. new yeah, workout plan like, aesthetic. Lil, what's his name? What's the guy? Uh, oh my gosh, this is gonna drive me crazy. Who? He's like a rapper. He's but he's like a joke rapper. He's Jewish and he has like the little brain in his videos. You know who I'm talking about? Uh, We're I... gonna hate little Dicky. Little Dicky, I think. Yeah. He's kind of like he's kind of like working on that level. Like with with having almost like a parody sort of mentality, but then the song is taken seriously by the people who listen to it. I don't know. It's no new workout (laughs) plan though. It's it's nowhere close. (laughs) But it's kind of a similar idea. I love that his first album's called Professional Rapper. Like that, yep. yeah. That's that's new workout plan aesthetic. That's yeah, that's perfect. definitely, <laughs> yeah. That's like his whole. I think his whole thing is that he's like trying to imitate like that style, but he does it in like a a funny way. I don't know. You should listen to the song "Pillow Talking." That's the one. That might be close to new workout plan, but it's not the same vibe at all. Okay, I'll listen. Not, 
it's not upbeat, but it's the same, it's the same spirit. <laughs> I'll listen. Um, also, is My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy still your favorite Kanye album? Or with how many Yeezus songs were in your top five? Is Yeezus... Um, I think My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is always going to be number one for me. But I do love Yeezus. Okay. And I learned to love Yeezus. Because after, after My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, Yeezus was like nowhere near. I mean, it just sonically is not the same kind of thing. And so I was kind of like, oh, I don't really like this. Um, and then I revisited it and I was like, yep, this is incredible. <laughs> so I don't know. Some of his albums, like you just need to be in the right place at the right time, maybe. Yep. But, and if you're expecting his next album to be like as good as the one that you like right now, it's not going to work. You have to like, you have to like let the previous album go <laughs> in order to appreciate the new one. I think because they're so different, but yeah, I do love Jesus. That's another intense powerful album yes 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 it is <laughs> yes it's loud it's very loud <laughs> well uh, so good. I, I think it's time uh for your last call uh yes. which you yeah. have you have the floor to give oh. any final <laughs> thoughts on kanye um share anything you want and it's oh, your boy. time okay i think my final thoughts on kanye are Give him a little bit of slack. Cut him a little slack because he he is not afraid to say what he wants to do, uh, say what he wants to say and do what he wants to do. And he's never going to do what you want him to do. So <laughs> I think in order to, to find peace with Kanye, you have to let him just live his life and appreciate him for who he is and not expect him to do something or not want him to do something because he will never do it. <laughs> that is my last call. 